0: Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. worship leaders giving us meteorol, 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 meteorological input. Thank you. It reminds me of um, my dad growing up on... Is that me? It's in. Reminds me of my um, growing up years when we'd go on vacation. My dad was a college professor and he would you know, take us to places like the Grand Canyon and give us the long lecture of why it's there and all that kind of stuff. But then sometimes he'd just stop alongside the road and there'd be a, you know, the hillside cutout where the road's going around. He'd pull the car over and and all the kids, you know, four of us kids, we'd look at each other, roll our eyes, here we go. (laughs) Do you know what that is? It's a rock, dad. (laughs) But what kind of rock is it? and he taught us a lot about weather and you're right about those hurricanes in the eye of the storm it's when it's what the calm spot in 7th grade world history class mr chadwick was our teacher great teacher i really liked him we got to this one unit and um my face got all hot when he started talking about it he started talking about evolution and i as a christian thought oh this is terrible, this is wrong, it's against God. And he was telling us this is where we came from. And it made me sad, and it made me nervous, made me embarrassed, I was at a public school. And then in my senior year of high school, I was in Mr. Boynton's Western Civ class, brilliant mind. And more than once, he said, no rational person can be a Christian. And some of the Christians would speak up and he would verbally crucify them. He was good um, with his words. And I was confused because I really respected it and liked him as a teacher, and he was, you know, excellent in so many ways. But there was this now this real conflict. Okay, am I going to be a Christian? Or do I, you know, or, or do I choose to be rational? And uh, I had many cousins and uncles that were in very highly esteemed um, positions, often with biology. And I myself went on to earn a college degree in biology, and then later a master's and a doctorate in theology. So our topic today, faith and science, I've wrestled with a lot. But that doesn't mean I have all the answers. In fact, I may have more questions now, the more that I've wrestled than answers. And so my hope today is that, um, yes, I would give you some answers, but probably give you a lot of questions too. And that's a good thing. But before I do that, we got to pray because we want the real questioner and the real giver of answers to be present and speak to us. Holy Spirit of truth, do your work in us today and every day on this topic of faith and science. Open our eyes to truth and expose the mistakes. May we be um, open minded and open hearted as we listen now. Not just to the information, but open-minded and open-hearted to people that agree with us and disagree with us. Amen. So I wasn't gonna preach on this, but um, through some stuff that's gone on in the last week, one, you know, we just finished up 8 tree one and that's a series um, where we looked at creation and, and tried to see how God revealed himself um, th- through the natural order of things that he, that he created. And then we also, of course, looked at special revelation in the Bible, and we learned a lot. Um, so in the background of that sermon series is this concept of, of science and faith. And so I thought, okay, we could talk with that specifically, not just have it as a question in the background or an idea in the background. And then this week, I don't know if, if any of you follow this, but the Professional Disc Golf Association is in town... It's a big deal. It is a big deal. You'd be shocked. Up at De La Viega, and I was asked, I did this last year, but I was asked to give this, the talk um, at their chapel, which we hosted at our home, had dinner. It was a great, great time. Professionals from all over the world are here. And actually, people from all over come just to watch it. I I'm, mean, I'm there's a shuttle bus that you take out to the course, and I ask people where they're from. They're from all over the country, and, and they're naming players. and I have no idea who any of these people are. I've played for years, but I just play this course, one of the most famous courses in the world. It's like Augusta Master, the Augusta course for, the, for golf, Masters. This is the Masters course. In fact, the tournament's called the Masters. And anyway, so the topic they assigned me, because these touring pros go all over the country, they don't want to hear the same message every time, so they assign each speaker the topic. And my topic was science and faith. And I'm like, did you know I love that topic? Did you know I struggle with that topic? <laughs> And so uh, this very message, I I shared it with them on Thursday night. But last week, probably the the kicker for me is I was up at um, Mount Hermon. They had a a conference where they were honoring the past directors of the high school camp, um, Ponderosa Lodge. And one of the people that came was a a, a friends of ours. Her husband, so I'll say this right, Kelly was a girl on, on staff and her husband, Kyle Van Houten, he's the director of science at Monterey Bay Aquarium. And that title is either like small, director of science, or huge. It's huge. There's 700 full-time staff there, on, on the staff there. And it's a research facility, and he's gone all over the world. And if you Google him, you'll see he has zillions of awards and prestige. Brilliant guy. But he just did a sermon, I think it was a month or two ago, with John Ortberg up at Menlo Church. and um, And he was... He was, you know, on stage being interviewed as a scientist, but also he got a degree, a divinity degree, while he, I believe he was at Duke. And so he's a scientist and a theologian at the same time, and he's one of the most prestigious scientists at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And one of the lines that he told me that kind of helped him get the job, I don't need, I don't think he needed much help getting the job with his resume. But he said, do you realize what we have here in the Monterey Bay Aquarium? He said, it's a cathedral for the ocean. So he's bringing his faith in in his job interview. And he said, everybody loved it. It's a cathedral. We have a view. You know, a cathedral is a place where we kind of focus on God. And, And so he's freely just throwing around those words. And we're in a Monterey Bay. You know, we're in a sanctuary is what our ocean is called. But he said something that just grabbed my heart as we were talking about these things. He said he also grew up in a Christian home and wildly curious and went on to study science and in many different uh, fields and done different trips. And he said, you know, Danny, I had to be made aware that there was a conflict with faith and science. And I thought, me too. I don't know that I've met anybody. Usually it just comes at you like, you know, you have to choose one or the other. And he says, there's no need to choose. I choose them both. And we had a great conversation. and, And so I said, you know what? I don't know if there's not There may be some in here that, I mean, the the issue is, in some degrees, always going to be unclear. Some of those things feel like there's a parent conflict. But there may be some in here that have wrestled with this and would would do well to get some encouragement. I would love to have heard this message in high school when I was sitting in class, sweating bullets like, I want to respect these teachers, but can I still be a Christian? So that's what we're diving in. So if you want to pull out your notes, we will fill these in. They're in your bulletin, and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna talk first about uh, science, what is science, and then I'm gonna talk about faith, and then I'm gonna talk about Jesus, no mystery there, and then I'm gonna give us our call, what is it that we're gonna do? So first put on your science caps, let's learn a little bit about science, what it is, and then about faith, and then about Jesus. So the definition there, there's a number of definitions, but I thought this was a pretty good one. Science is the systematic study Of the structure and behavior of the natural and physical world. Or its knowledge obtained by the world about the world by watching it carefully and experimenting. Kind of like this, real quick and dirty definition. You learn from what you you sense and then you can test. See, touch, taste, and and you make conclusions, observations. The scientific method follows that. And so we can actually learn and know truth by being curious, asking questions and putting up experiments, and then learning from the people that learn that stuff. I, I'm always amazed at biology students now. When I was a biology student in college, there was you know, so much to learn because you have to learn all the stuff they'd already learned. Students now, <laughs> we have learned so much since when I was in college. I, used to, I remember finding some books that were for like from the 50s and the 60s, and I'm like, this is like elementary science, and there were college textbooks. Well, you can laugh at my ta- college textbooks now because they're so far advanced which is a testimony to scientists always wanting to learn. But the first point I want to make out is kind of a warning, is that first thing is science can be an idol. And an idol is anything that takes the place of God. And many people have have made this mistake of saying, science is the ultimate authority. Whatever I can prove or see in science, that's what I will believe in. Science is a great thing, but it it is not able to take the place of God. Really, our observations, our knowledge, our understanding of things can't take the place of God. That's God territory. He wants us to learn and make observations, but it's lower. Science is is basically our position as people. It really, you know, that sense of science can be an idol really goes back to the Garden of Eden, right? Where God says, obey me, do this, don't do this. And we chose the acacia tree. (laughs) I hate to laugh about that. But we chose independence. We chose that we knew better. We thought, no, you know, God says this, but I'm going to do this. That can be what we, that's the same kind of mistake we can make when we choose to be independent of God. And it's been a, um, a long tree-lined road back to God, back to the tree of life that we've, that we've taken, back to dependence on God. Science is also a growing field. It's constantly changing. You hear this phrase a lot, if you pay attention to it. We used to think, but now we know. (laughs) Be careful of saying no. We used to think, but now we know. We should probably say, we used to think, now we think, because a good scientist changes things all the time. We're we're just discovering more. That's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. But it's just proof that it's, it's always growing and changing. Like, just when we talked about the avocado, was maybe 20, 30 years ago, we used to think avocados aren't too good. Don't eat too much of those. Now it's a superfood. And if we change it, I'm still going to eat it because I love it. (laughs) Science is a growing field. And then science is also a wonderful way to explore the world. Wonderful way to explore the world. Always learning. In fact, in Romans um, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, that's a science word, ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So that's, that's, it's in one way, that's an invitation, like you want to know God? You want to know his power? You want to know his attributes? Look around. He's done that in creation. In fact, when I was, uh, was in um, college, I was at a Christian college and studying biology, and I remember this one moment in class. One of the, one of the real advantages of being a biology major is you study the in-depth complexities of creation. And we were, we were in an ornithology class and we were looking at the feathers of a duck. And I won't go into how a feather is created but the thought came to me, okay, there's all these DNA principles that go in place to produce these quills where the little color of the feather of this little piece lines up with all the other feathers to look the same on all the other ducks. And, and if you've seen a really beautiful duck, it's amazing. And if you study or are taught how this works, you say, this isn't chance. This is an artist at work. It's ridiculous. That's just one thing. You can go in the complexities of the eye, um, or just all these things about creation, all happening together in unison—it's ridiculous. Um, in fact, I, I want to read a couple things. My dad—this was this is his big work. We went through a lot as a family to get this. This is the textbook that he wrote, and it went to all the major universities around the country. Very well received. Took a lot of years for him to write it and, and put it out there. But he—he um, he did this one unique thing in this textbook. He has a chapter called The Miracle of Design. And some publishers passed on the book. They said, no, we can't have that. We're we're not gonna accept that worldview. But the other, many other, including this one that took it, they said, this is such a good book. We're gonna leave this chapter. He had defended a number of times and there's a way to dance around that. But let me read the opening paragraph in this chapter. The design of the earth is truly mind-stretching. Each of the major spheres of the earth covered in this text is amazingly integrated into one system capable of supporting life. Its position in the universe, astronomical properties, geological processes, climatic conditions and finally life forms testify to this unique system. From the smallest single-celled organism to the largest giant coastal redwood, all reveal unique design features. This final chapter is meant to instill in you a profound appreciation and respect for our home, the planet Earth. You just went on vacation with me, by the way. That's my dad. Did a great job of of being a great scientist and telling the truth of of how he perceived the world through a creator. Now, I wanna give you a chance to do the same thing. I need all the kids to come up here. You're gonna pass something out. Come on, kids. Wake up. There, there should be enough for one for each person. So give that to somebody. You know, oh, you take more than one. Oh. So pass these out. Thank you. Wait, can we pass out the just, just like one of these to one person or one family. Can we pass out the whole, yeah, the whole thing. Just what are the. No, no, Great. keep it all like that. Okay. Yeah, so, like, see, I have mine. Does anybody know what this is? Rattlesnake grass. rattlesnake grass. Locals. So put your science hats on and stare around this rattlesnake grass. There you go. You can hand them out. Yeah, take a lot. Betsy's going to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Betsy says it's like popcorn, and she's actually a pretty good scientist, so I would trust her. There she OK, so I brought popcorn. We're all learning. OK, this stuff is still a little bit green. Works a lot better when it's really, really dry. But some of them, I, I tried to find some dry ones. There's tons of this grass in our county, rattlesnake grass. And one of the things as a scientist, you know, so you're all scientists this morning. You're trying to learn from looking at creation. Is not only do you learn about it, but it should, it should bring you to a place of awe and wonder. And scientists love to discover something. They're like, oh my gosh. And you know what is right next to wonder and awe? Worship. And God wants us to study his creation because it leads us to consider their creator and then say how awesome he is. I grew up around this stuff when I was a little kid. And I remember looking at it, and I don't know who taught me, hey, if you shake it, now if you shake it now, you just hear each one individually because they're not really dried out like, a, like an actual rattle. But this for me was, was one of, it's not a perfectly you know, established argument, for, but for me, this is one of those, this has got to be designed. This has got to be created because not only are these all over the place, but where I grew up, they were also the real thing at the end of a reptile. (laughs) And I thought, wow, God made a rattle for grass and for a snake. What are the odds of those coming out through an evolutionary branch to the same thing, the same design? I think God has a sense of humor personally that he would either create or allow this to evolve this way, two in the same ones and you could shake it around. So the picture of a rattlesnake grass for me points to a creator. And looking at creation can draw us to wonder and worship. Let's look at faith, the definition there for faith. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something, strong belief in the doctrines of religion based on spiritual conviction. The thing with faith is that you need an object. Everybody has faith in something in some ways. And our encouragement, and God's encouragement, is to have faith in him. He's our object, our unchanging object. Three things about faith that I wanted to talk about this morning. One, first, now, you're going to roast me when when I say what this first one is. Faith can be an idol. What? Put faith in quotes, okay? Or maybe like lowercase faith, not capital faith. But one of the things that, unfortunately, I would say Christians do sometimes is that we say, I just believe in God, and we turn off our mind, right? And we can use the word the word faith, the idea of maybe even of just religion, and that we say, I don't need to know anymore, I just know this, and we, we do the exact opposite of what Mark 12, 30 says, which says, Jesus tells us to love God with our whole mind, And you're supposed to love God with your mind, which means learn more, think more, struggle with this. And and it's difficult if we as Christians, now we don't know all the answers, but if we are ignorant without knowledge, if we're lazy and talk to people about these things of science and faith, we give a bad picture of God. We We misrepresent the truth with our ignorance. And the idol can be, I'll just depend on the word, that, um, oh, this concept or maybe just my religion instead of saying, I want to have real faith. Real faith is growing faith. You're always going to be learning more about God. So we want to avoid that mistake. It's like science had its first warning. That's our first warning. Second thing, faith is a growing field. All the fill-ins are the same, by the way, under science and under faith. Make it easy on you. Um, you know, spirituality is pretty popular these days, but there's a variety of spiritual things. And what I experienced, I don't know if people still experience it, but I've, I experienced some, some conflict, like I shared those stories in junior high and in high school, for being a Christian. And the biggest one that popped out was this concept of evolution. And so I want to talk about that just real quick. Um, a pastor named Tim Keller wrote a really good book, um, I think it's called The Reason for God. And uh, he has a great, he answers a lot of good questions, but he has a great model for wrestling with this topic. And he says, there's four kind of camps or four responses or four four ways to come at this this concept of evolution, a Christian or not. And he says, the first option when it comes to evolution um, and Christianity or, or maybe all faiths is that there's conflict. And that's the one we hear about the most. You know, you can find materials or go to conferences or, or look up a, a talk where the people are just arguing back and forth, a Christian and some scientist about evolution, and usually they don't get anywhere. The, the conflict model is not something, in this case, now there's a place for debate, don't get me wrong, but when you see conflict gone too far, where they're not listening to the other person well, and debate is one of the best ways for us to learn, so I'm not saying we shouldn't have debate, but the core option is conflict where you don't have any agreement and you're saying the other person's totally wrong. Then he says, another response is dialogue. I like that one, where you say, I have my beliefs, but we're going to talk back and forth open-minded in such a way that I might learn something from you or you might learn something from me. Third option is integration, where you say, wow, I'm going to take some of the truths that your field has brought up and I'm going to take some of the truths that I've got up and see how they can integrate. And then the last one, and this is kind of a number of... um, leading atheists have proposed this, they've said there should be independence. Some of these scientists also have said that don't believe in God, they say, evolution is not a worldview, it's a biological process that we study and we're working with, but you can have faith, and some will say, I don't believe in God at all, but you can have that and not be a bad scientist. You just keep them totally separate. That's one one view that people are taking, uh, Christians and non-Christians. So it's, and, and having read a bunch of this, and I won't go into you know, specifically a bunch of thoughts, but I believe you can be a follower of God and have any one of those four stances. You can be a Christian. You can be a Christ follower because your stance on whether evolution is true or not is not a primary issue. Primary issue is your, your belief in Jesus Christ, the specifics of the science. And so the argument is not accurate to say, well, if I believe in, bio, in if I believe in biology, if I believe in evolution, I can't be a Christ follower. That's not true. You can be. Now, you, you know, like I said, this takes a lot of work and a lot of discussion and now isn't the time and place for me to discuss all the ins and outs of these different uh, concepts, but having read a bunch of these, there's, um, I can respect those views. Does that make sense? And so, depending on where you're coming from, you, you have to be able to battle with it, but you, you don't have to say, well, there's only one way and that's the way, God has given um, not perfect clarity on this. And, and what, what normally has to happen is we either have to get our theology better, or we have to get our biology better, or sometimes there's just mystery. Some things God hasn't told us everything, and we have to say we don't know. Keep pressing for the answer, but some things we just don't know. But I've found that by studying creation, <clears throat> by being a scientist, it brings me wonder which makes me wanna worship God. And then the last point under faith is, faith is a wonderful way to explore the world. Explore the world. Romans twelve two two says, uh, actually let me just turn to it. Don't be conformed to this world. Remember conformed, we studied that a few months ago about being pressed in, pushed into a mold, pressed from the outside. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, which is more of a blossoming, a growing, a becoming. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to grow you through your mind, that by testing, that sounds like a scientific word, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So don't be pressured in just by some outward thoughts or actions, but but say, God, blossom me, blossom my mind, renew my mind, help me become... Who you'd call me to be. That's how we explore the world. In fact, um, when Kyle and, and John Ortberg were talking in their message, Kyle said something like, you know, picture it this way. The science side, those things are fathomable. Things we can study, we can test. And then the God part, you know, if it was just this big spectrum, is the unfathomable. You can't totally fathom who God is. And, and, and those come together. And you work on those. Take what we know to earn, learn you know about God, take what we know about God to learn about what we can see and understand those things it's a, great, it's a great process of exploration I believe so I think faith and science can get along and I actually believe God wants that doesn't mean we'll solve, it, solve everything but he's not asking us to, to be separate he's like I made all this stuff Some of it you'll figure out, some of it you won't. Be better scientists. Be better theologians. And then some of it's just mysterious. But what do we do with the conflict? I actually have a really good answer for this. When you come into this conflict, these conflict positions, what do we do? Well, here, the the typical answer you want to give in Sunday school when the teacher asks a question and you're not sure what the answer is, just say, Jesus. (laughs) In this case, you'll be right. Jesus says, Uh, He's the way, the truth, and the life. And I want you to think of that this way. Colossians 1.15 says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So somehow, Jesus is fully God and fully man, unfathomable and fathomable, right? The mixture between the two, that's who Jesus is. And Jesus doesn't have any conflict right? He's the opposite of conflict. Jesus is love. God is love. And so when you're trying to understand science and faith, the best picture, the solid best answer is the person of Jesus Christ. How he manages that, how he exemplifies that, how he lives those things in in a person. And Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith consider him those are science words look consider observe study look to jesus so as we look at the topic again i'm giving you some answers but hopefully also raise some questions that you say look to jesus actually ask jesus help me understand this question and he may answer and he may not but you look to him now I'll get real specific our call what is it that we do as followers of jesus Walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. In life's answers, in life's questions, walk with Jesus. Colossians 2.6 says, As you have received Jesus, so walk in him. If you've been around the Bible very much at all, that word walk and with God is throughout the whole scripture. And it's not a mistake. In fact, there was a season in my, my life where I lived close enough, my mom said, you seem pretty stressed out. Why don't you start walking to work? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, what if it rains? She's like, get an umbrella. It was like a mile. She said, you should walk to work. And she wasn't saying I needed exercise, but she knew that that, I don't know, 15 minute would be time for me to be quiet, to think, and to talk with the Lord. Now, one of the things that I've done a lot over the years, um, I, I ran cross country and track. You don't talk a lot when you run unless you're really good and you're running with really slow people. <laughs> you know, you're, you're focused on your task. But walking, you can talk, but you're also making forward progress. And with this topic of science and faith, I would encourage you to walk with Jesus, that you bring him your questions, you listen for his answers, you study. You can do these things while you're walking. It's a slow, slow enough um, activity that you can pull this stuff off. And, and my, my last picture, I'll leave us with this before I, I close us in prayer. That, um, that last chapter in my dad's textbook, it was all focused on this one place up in Mendocino County called uh, Montgomery Woods. It's a very special valley that has some of the tallest, maybe the tallest redwoods in the world. He didn't want it to get out, so a bunch of tourists would go there. But some of the best, healthiest, gigantic coastal redwoods there this valley is lush and beautiful. It's the coolest place, and he writes about the miracle of design there. Well, it was only about 20 minutes, half hour from our house. I'd occasionally go out to this um, state park, and we'd walk around on the nature trail in Montgomery Woods, and he would ask me questions, because he'd take students there. He had classes there, and he had all these riddles. Why is, you know, like a giant redwood tree branch would be stuck in the ground and start growing again, and like, how did a tree plant there? What And, and it was this mystery, and then some of the trees fell this way and this way, and, and it was like unlocking these riddle. It was really fun. He loved it. I was always, how? I can't figure it out, Dad. But what I remember from those walks, besides having a great time with my dad, is asking hard questions, making observations, learning things, and it was just a walk. It was comfortable. Shouldn't our walk with Jesus be like that? Especially with topics like science. So I look... That's why I wanted to be a biology major in college. I'm like, for me, science and faith was a fun thing. Now, a super hard major, that was a mistake. <laughs> but it was just the joy of learning and even the, the being okay with the tension of not knowing. And that's what it is, walking with Jesus. It's just this dependent walk where we're trying to learn and trying to grow. So our call is this. One is walk with Jesus as a walk in the forest. Take your time to do that. Especially when Joe's talking and we're singing about storms. It's like, you got to be still. you got to be quiet. you got to walk with the Lord. And then our other charge, as, um, as our call to be followers and make followers, walk with other people. And it might be an actual physical walk in the redwood forest. But when I say walk with people, is, is you do that with your kids. You do it with your parents. You do it with your friends, your peers. Just walk with people in a pace that's not so rushed that you can't have a conversation. And listen to their questions, listen to their answers, and learn. And that's the call that God's called us to. So again, I love this topic of science and faith because it's messy, but I love it because it it brings relationship, and that's what God wants from us. Let's pray. God, you invite us to ask. You invite us to seek. You invite us to knock. You are not afraid of questions. You embrace them. Even hard questions. You know all the answers. And it's okay to even ask for help in our unbelief. There were followers of you that even after they saw you resurrected, they struggled with believing that it was true. You know that we're not perfect. And yet you are willing and want to meet us in our struggles. Open our eyes to see you and love you. In Christ's name, amen. How do we, how do we include uh, rattlesnake grass with communion? If <laughs> anybody thinks, so? I can't connect with that enough. I guess you can eat it instead of the bread. <laughs> <laughs> If our servers would come forward, we'd love to take communion together as a church family. And part of walking with God is just um, being honest before God and say, what areas of growth do I need to grow in and what areas of confession might I need? So. Sometimes before I come up, I just pause and say, God, is there anything that I need to have straightened out in my life? And, and anything I need to confess? So i encourage you to do that. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Lord, you are a wonderful creator, quite an artist, and quite a scientist. There's thoughtfulness in everything you do and everything you've made. You love to teach us, to understand, to unlock the mysteries, not just for knowledge, but for knowledge of you that drives us to wonder and awe and worship. As we stop now and recognize you, we confess, and we worship you. Be with each one here as our family, followers of you as we partake and we remember all that you've done for us and the power of what you've done for us and the effect that it has. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.